Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News. Recorded on the 2nd of December and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week comprises Alex Gwynne as recording engineer, Carol Hartle on copying and admin and our readers today are Catherine Neal Hello. and Phil Lee. Hello. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, some sport, and then finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 766. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. And finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5, 1DA. So let's start this week, as we do with every week, the, with the telephone numbers, which Phil is going to read. OK, thanks, Pips. We'll start with Wilds Lane. That's Colin Chance House, of course, and it's 01905 767 766. Listeners should be aware that this is not manned daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police non emergency is 101. NHS Direct is 111. Out of Hours Medical Assistance is 0300-123-3211 and that's between 6 and 8pm. Crime Stoppers is 0800-555-111. Worcester Hub is 01905-765-765. Worcestershire County Council here to help 01905 768 053 and press option 3. Community risk team, that's the fire safety lot, 0800-032-1155. Domestic abuse helpline, 0800-980-3331. Sense Adventures, which is walking for the visually impaired, that's D. Jones on 01684 891297 or 07920 144614. And you can also reach her on www.senseadventures.co.uk. That's all small case. Samaritans is 116123. Worcester Live is 01905 And lastly, Malvern Theatres is 01684 892277. Thanks, Phil. Moving on to what's on this week. Well, as we get closer to Christmas, you can imagine there's quite a lot going on, but I've tried to select some variety to tempt you. Starting at the Huntington Hall a week today, that's Thursday the 9th of December, 
You can enjoy Tenors Unlimited, singing a selection of Christmas favourites, plus other popular hits, both classical and contemporary. The three tenors will be joined by local choir, Sing and Tonic. I like that. And the show starts at 7.30pm. Tickets are from £23 to £25. And for more details, ring 611-427. Continuing with the Christmas theme, there's a seasonal craft fair taking place at the Guildhall in Worcester on Saturday, the 11th of December. It's on pretty much all day, 9.30 to 4pm. And also on Saturday at the Cathedral, this is assuming that they have finished their repairs from Storm Arwen, the Worcester Festival Choral Society are putting on their annual performance of Handel's Messiah, the ultimate pre-Christmas concert, so I'm told. It starts at 7.30 and 7.30 in the evening and tickets range from £15 for concessions to £25. Another concert that's taking place that weekend, it's on both the Friday the 10th and Saturday the 11th at Pershaw Abbey. It's the Worcester Male Voice Choir and they're performing at 7pm. Tickets from, I find this extraordinary, but £13.09, and it said in the paper. And if you want more details, you need to Google eventbrite.co.uk. And last but not least, on Saturday the 18th of December at 7.30pm in the Henry Sandon Hall. Barry North takes on a solo role as the Spirit of Dickens in a spellbinding production of Dickens by Candlelight. Tickets cost £14 and for more details, telephone 677-399. So I hope something there floats your boat. Moving on now, we will have the headlines, which Catherine will read, and then we'll go straight into the first story, which Catherine also has. Right, thanks, Pippa. Uh, the headline for Friday, November the 26th, was Home's Plan Thrown Out Over Threat. On Saturday, November the 27th, the headline was No Tree Due to Vandals. Monday, November the 29th, the headline was Storm Hits Cathedral. On Tuesday, November the 30th, it was, I wish I'd had the vaccine. Wednesday, December the 1st, sex assaults shame of chippy owner. And Thursday, December the 2nd, woke clique at the theatre under fire. So we go back to the main story on Friday, November the 26th. Home's plan thrown out over threat. Council members have said they refuse to be threatened by developers after blocking a controversial plan to build 50 homes on a former city golf course. This came after a spokesman for Housing Association Bromford said they would only withdraw their request to recover costs from the council if their application was granted. Bromford has applied to build 35 social rented homes and 15 shared ownership properties, with three homes in nearby Darwin Avenue demolished to make way. But residents have slammed the plans as hideous. Councillor Alan Amos was quick to warn the developer the committee would not be shoehorned into making a decision. He said, Your statement about withdrawing the request for costs sounds like you're making a threat to me. This isn't the way in which the committee should arrive at a decision. Can I make a suggestion we don't proceed on this basis? Councillor Mike Johnson, chair of the meeting, added, It sounded very much like a threat to me. 
The plan was initially rejected by Worcester City Council's planning committee in June, but afterwards the developer resubmitted the exact same plan, but with significantly enhanced, in inverted commas, landscaping. That included almost double the amount of shrubs earmarked for the site. The developer cited the need for affordable housing in Worcester as the chief reason behind the large number of homes in the development. In a report compiled by council officers before the meeting, they deemed the fresh plans to have sufficiently addressed the concerns that were expressed at the time. However, local opposition said Bromford was wasting the committee's time with a replicated application which had merely been dressed up as a fresh plan. Speaking at the meeting, which was held at the Guildhall at 1.30pm today, that's last Friday, November the 26th, residents said the mass of houses would be hideous and a hideous wrecking of the landscape. Councillor Marjorie Bissett agreed, saying, we didn't refuse the last application because of the lack of trees. I agree, there is a need for affordable housing, but this scheme is not the answer. Councillors voted 6-2 to two in favour of blocking the development. Right, now Saturday's story is headed no tree due to vandals. Repeated attacks put an end to roundabout tradition. A St John's Christmas tree relentlessly targeted by vandals will not be returning this year. Worcester City Council has instead confirmed an existing tree on the roundabout will be decorated with lights and a brand new star feature. The giant festive decoration on the roundabout between New Road and Tybridge Street has been a target for vandals in recent years. Residents have also been heavily critical of its decoration, with some branding its previous decoration pathetic. In 2018, the council had to fork out hundreds on repair works after the lights were pulled off the tree by local Grinches, damaging the branches in the process. A fence was even erected around the tree in an attempt to block vandals from causing further damage. A Worcester City Council spokesperson said... The City Council has invested over £30,000 in festive lights, decorations and trees to entice more visitors to Worcester this Christmas. In addition to the decorated trees by the Cathedral, in St Andrew's Gardens, Gallivelt Park and in front of the Guild Hall, we've also installed 24 lit trees above shops and businesses throughout St John's to help create a festive atmosphere in the area. The large permanent tree on the St John's roundabout will be lit up and a brand new star feature has been added. Vandals have targeted this location in the past, which is why we have opted for a different approach this year. However, Councillor Richard Udall is less than impressed with this year's decorations. He said, What a pathetic excuse for Christmas decorations in St John's this year. We don't even get a Christmas tree. After all we've been through, we really deserved a bit better. We need to bring the fun back. For goodness sake, bring us a tree. Now, I'm not sure that's the last word on this story, so uh, keep your ears open. And the headline for Monday, November the 29th, Storm Hits Cathedral. Repair work has begun at Worcester Cathedral after the roof was damaged during Storm Arwen. A falling stone from the iconic landmarks tower pierced several holes in the roof on Friday night as strong winds, heavy rain and snow battered the county. The falling masonry caused extensive damage to the medieval cathedral, leading to its closure over the weekend. On Saturday, workmen could be seen on top of the damaged roof, putting a tarpaulin in place to protect the inside of the historic church from the weather. 
Bishop of Worcester, Dr John Inge, revealed the news on Saturday morning, saying, Through the night, Storm Arwen has brought a large stone from the tower through the North Choir Isle roof of Worcester Cathedral, causing extensive damage. I hope it won't be regarded as an act of God. More than 500 tickets had been sold to the Worcester Festival Choral Society's concert, which had to be called off. The concert was to be the first performance by the Society in almost two years and the opener to its historic 160th anniversary season. Ben Cooper, Society Chairman, said, We're deeply disappointed that this this unexpected event has happened, especially as it would have been our first post-pandemic concert and so many music lovers wanted to attend. But everyone's safety is paramount and it's vital to take this precautionary measure. We wish the Cathedral staff well at this difficult time and hope that the Cathedral is back to normal very soon. The 937-year-old building is regularly requiring repairs. Early this month, the Cathedral Library received more than £300,000 to protect its medieval manuscript collection. King John's Will and a 1225 copy of the Magna Carta are among Worcester Cathedral's treasures. Since 2019, issues including water ingress plus roofing and masonry problems have been discovered, putting the site's library archives at risk. Around the county, Storm Arwen saw high winds, rain and even snow in some areas. Worcestershire County Council said at least 40 trees had been brought down by the storm, with police urging residents not to use the roads in some areas due to a threat to life. Right. On Tuesday, November the 30th, the headline story was I wish I'd had the vaccine. Heartbreaking final words to wife from animal lover who refused COVID jab due to fears about testing. A vegan who refused the COVID-19 vaccine because of its links to animal testing has died. Glyn Steele turned down the jab because he'd read producers like Pfizer-BioNTech, Moderna and Johnson & Johnson had tested their vaccines on animals. The 54-year-old from Malvern cared for animals his whole life, so felt he could not have the jab due to his stance on animal testing. He died in intensive care at Worcestershire Royal Hospital just two months away from his 55th birthday when he planned to retire and spend more time travelling and looking after animals. Mr Steele's wife, Emma, said his last words to her were, I have never felt so ill, I wish I'd had the vaccine. Mrs Steele, who's 50, is double jabbed and said she's facing an empty future alone, calling on everyone to take the vaccine. She said, I insist to everyone I know to get the vaccine. He begged for the vaccine when he was in intensive care before he went on life support, but they said that it was too late. She continued... I've been crying myself into a dehydration every night and letting the tears flow like a river in the morning and waking up in the night crying. It's having to tell people that loved him that they will never see him again and seeing that pain in them. I'm used to trying to make people laugh, not cry. He was a very gentle soul. He was a vegan and didn't want the COVID vaccine because it was tested on animals. Mr Steele, a field service engineer, cared for a total of six rescued cats and dogs at his home in Malvern and even brought a dog in need back from a holiday in Sri Lanka. 
Glyn had started off with just a cold, which gradually got worse, and he tested positive for COVID on October the 27th. He deteriorated rapidly, and Emma had to call an ambulance on November the 2nd. But she was told none were available, and she therefore had to take her unconscious 19-stone husband to hospital herself. There were 12 ambulances queuing outside Worcestershire Royal Hospital when she arrived with him, she said. She said, I still don't know how I got him in my car. He was so heavy that I couldn't even push him in a wheelchair at the hospital. Eventually, a young lad appeared and offered to help. He was there because his mum was also unwell and couldn't get an ambulance either, so he had to bring her to the hospital like I did. Her husband was quickly admitted to intensive care, but by November the 10th, he was put on life support and in an induced coma. Mrs Steele said, I was with him when he died. I was wearing a full PPE kit, so I couldn't touch him, but they played his favourite music by the Sex Pistols, and I stayed with him until the end. He died within 20 minutes of his life support being turned off. Despite two weeks passing, Mrs Steele said she still cannot imagine life without her husband. I will forever miss our friendship, our partnership, our love and our connection to each other, she said. I sometimes think I need to text the word talk to the suicide hotline when my thoughts get really loud and scary and take over. Mr Steele's niece Charlotte has launched a GoFundMe page with the aim of raising money for the funeral at gofundme.com forward slash f forward slash help hyphen fund hyphen glins that's g-l-y-n-n-s hyphen funeral Wednesday's story headline sex assaults shame of chippy owner the disgraced owner of a Worcester chippy has been jailed for sexual assault and harassment Gaminda Lola was sentenced to 36 weeks behind bars after being found guilty of a string of offences which took place at the Bull Ring Chippy in St John's. Lola was found guilty of three charges of sexual assault and one of harassment. All the offences involved teenagers. The court heard Lola sexually touched more than one victim on different occasions. Magistrates ordered the 57-year-old to serve three consecutive 12-week sentences, one for each of the three charges of sexual assault, all against women aged 16 or over. They said they were treating the assaults as particularly serious because of the victim's ages. He was also given a further 12-week sentence, which is to be served concurrently, for the harassment charge. Worcester magistrates heard one young woman was subjected to a course of conduct that amounted to harassment, including the, quote, tickling and touching of her hips, which left her feeling uncomfortable and distressed. Speaking after the sentencing, a relative of one of the victims said, when he received the sentence, his attitude didn't change one bit. He didn't look like he had any remorse for what he'd done. I honestly believe he thought he was above the law. Lola of Kingsbury Road, St John's Worcester, must now register at Worcester Police Station in accordance with the Sexual Offences Act of 2003, where he'll remain on record for 10 years. He has also been ordered to pay a surcharge to fund victim services of £128, which he must pay by April 15, 2022. Gaminda Lola was sentenced to the prison term at Kidderminster Magistrates Court on Friday, November the 26th, after having been found guilty of the offences on October the 27th. And the headline for Thursday, December the 2nd, Woke 
clique at the theatre under fire. Worcester Theatre Chiefs, who cancelled a live comedy show over a racist tweet row, have been threatened with financial punishment by a leading councillor. City councillor Alan Amos has accused do-gooders at Worcester Theatres of imposing censorship after they axed comedian Andrew Lawrence's scheduled performance at Huntingdon Hall due to a string of hateful tweets in the summer. Organisers announced they would no longer be hosting a date on Lawrence's Pale, Male and Stale tour in July after he aimed a series of racist digs at black football players following England's penalty exit in the 2020 Euros final. Earlier this year, Worcester Live was allocated a £122,000 cash boost through the Arts Council as part of the government's multi-million pound culture recovery fund. However, speaking at a full council meeting on Tuesday, Conservative councillor Amos warned the grant could be cancelled and the money repaid if it is used for political purposes. He said... The great thing about English theatre is that there is no censorship, so people are free to choose their own entertainment. Earlier this year, the nationally acclaimed comedian and satirist Andrew Lawrence was booked for a show which was abruptly cancelled at short notice, even though the show due to be performed was exactly the same as that for which he had been booked. A tiny woke clique at the Swan Theatre in Huntingdon Hall thereby imposed censorship where none exists in law. Therefore, I sought confirmation from the council that it would make abundantly clear to anybody in receipt of council money that they may not use public money for political purposes, which they did in this case, and that if they do, funding will be stopped immediately and it would have to be repaid. We cannot have little cliques of do-gooders taking public money and then misusing it for their own political ends. They need to remember that it is this taxpayer's money that is keeping the theatre in business in the first place. People want to be entertained, as they choose, so we need to keep politics out of it. Despite Councillor Amos's warning, the City Council insisted theatre directors have full autonomy over their scheduled acts. A spokesman said, The programming of the Swan Theatre and Huntington Hall is entirely a matter for Worcester theatres. Lawrence caused huge controversy this summer after aiming racially fuelled criticism at black players in the immediate wake of England's Euros exit. Tweeting after the match, the 41-year-old said, All I'm saying is, the white guys scored. Lawrence, who has previously featured on the BBC, later added to his original tweet, saying, I can see that this has offended lots of people, and I'm sorry, black guys are bad at penalties. The comedian's outburst attracted a huge backlash on social media. media. Following Councillor Amos's comments, a spokesman for Worcester Theatres said, Worcester Theatres was one of many venues, along with his agent, who chose to cancel Andrew Lawrence from our programme after he made a racist remark. We support an audience's right to receive a balanced and mixed programme without censorship. However, the board management and staff of Worcester Theatre Charitable Trust do not support hate speech of any kind and will not be an organisation associated with this now or in the future. 
So that concludes the news headline stories for the week. And we'll now move on to some general news stories, which I think, Catherine, if you're happy to start. Yes, thanks. And this is a very small item, but one which might be of great help to all of us. It's get online at the library. Worcester's Library is offering help for anyone looking to get IT advice. The Hive Library's digital champions are available at the Butts Library between Monday and Friday, 10am to 3pm. They offer support to anyone with basic IT queries and accessing support services using a computer. This can include things such as online blue badge applications, using BorrowBox or downloading an app to your phone. Support is free and anyone can book an appointment by ringing the Worcestershire Hub on 01905 765 765 or drop in and talk to a member of staff. A story from Friday's newspaper headed Council refuses plans for, in inverted commas, Victorian slums. Plans for 24 new flats in an empty city centre shop were described as a Victorian slum at a city council planning meeting today. Councillors voted unanimously to refuse an application to convert the building in Worcester's St Martin's Quarter, left empty since the closure of Pound Stretcher into a mix of one- and two-bed flats. Several members voiced concerns over the exclusion of a roof garden or outdoor space in the plan, citing the lack of amenities for prospective tenants. Speaking during the meeting, Councillor Alan Amos said, I've always said every kid in Worcester should have a fair and equal start in life. As such, we simply cannot facilitate the building of future Victorian slums. Children would be brought up in a hostile environment with a complete lack of space for amenities. These proposed flats are nothing more than rabbit hutches, which will become future slums. There is a need for city centre accommodation, but it must be decent accommodation, not just as much as we can cram in. The city's pound stretcher store closed in September last year after the company went into administration. Most of the building, pound stretcher and Ladbrokes aside, has been empty for more than a decade and has failed to attract any interest. This is the second time proposals from Cedar Worcester have been put before the committee. Just last month, the application was rejected by councillors who voiced concerns about the size of the flats and the potential loss of retail space. Cedar Worcester argue the rise in people working from home due to Covid, as well as the drop in footfall and increase in online shopping over a number of years, has made the units unattractive to potential retail tenants. However, councillor Patricia Agar said this was no excuse to cram in as many flats as possible. She said Worcester is not London or Tokyo. There is no need to cram in all these flats in a busy area of the city. This was described in the proposal as a semi-public area and it's very much a public area. There are huge crowds of people regularly walking past the ground floor by Asda. Councillor Mel Alcott added, If lockdown taught us anything, it is the value of people having an open space. A Worcester wine merchant has assured the city it will not run dry this Christmas amid warnings of a festive booze shortage. Richard Everton of the Bottles Group was responding to a letter sent by the Wine and Spirit Trade Association, WTSA, to Transport Secretary Grant Shapps. The statement, signed by 48 major alcohol importers, called on the minister to take urgent action over HGV driver shortages and freight disruption. They warned that failure to act 
could see some of our favourite tipples disappearing from the UK supermarket shelves. Mike Beale, chief executive of the WSTA, said, There's mounting concern among our membership that unless urgent action is taken, we will fall deeper into delivery chaos. We are already seeing major delays on wine and spirit delivery times, which is pushing up costs and limiting the range of products available to UK consumers. Government needs to be doing all it can to ensure British business is not operating with one hand tied behind its back over the festive season and beyond. Mr Everton said that while some specific supply lines may be affected, there would always be alternatives available. We have 10,000 cases in stock and ready to go, he said. We took some hard-headed decisions to ensure our stock at least a year ago and will not be running short. But what with the pandemic, Brexit, supply chain problems, a shortage of bottles and packing materials and climate issues with various vintages around the world, it has been a perfect storm. Despite these issues, he stressed that there would always be ample stocks available. Customers might find that their favourite brand of champagne or Chilean Cabernet Sauvignon is unavailable at the supermarket, but there will always be alternatives to explore and discover. Right. This is about the bad weather last weekend, really. And the headline is, Outage follows flashes. Pea Power Network chiefs have offered an explanation for a solar flare which led to electricity outages in hundreds of Droitwich and Ombersley homes. Residents took to social media, media early on Sunday evening to report seeing a series of bright blue and green flashes which lit up the whole sky around 6.45pm. This was swiftly followed by complete power outages for many people, while others noticed dim flickering lights throughout their house. The interference prompted some tongue-in-cheek comments on social media, suggesting what might have been to blame for the strange goings-on. Paul White said, Transformers are on their way to Earth, also known as Autobots. Meanwhile, Lynn Reid had a different theory. She said, My money is on the aliens. Janet Rose added, NASA sent a probe up into space a few days ago to smash or divert an asteroid which was heading towards Earth. Despite all the conspiracy theories, the world seems to be safe from Martians, asteroids and transformers, at least for now. A spokesperson for Western Power Distribution said, We were made aware of a power cut at 6.42pm, affecting 635 customers in the Ombersley area of Worcestershire. When we visited the location of the fault, we carried out a line patrol, but were unable to find the fault. This may mean that a branch or other debris had blown onto the line, causing the power cut, but had subsequently blown clear. It's possible that a branch coming into contact with the 11,000-volt overhead line could have caused the flash reported by local people and may have looked similar to a lightning strike. All the customers affected had their power supplies back on within 90 minutes. Good stuff. Right, now we have another story, this one from Monday's paper, um, to do with Christmas lights and indeed the storm. Christmas officially arrived in Worcester as hundreds of people gathered in Worcester this weekend for a magical festive lights switch on. Throughout the day, crowds were kept entertained with live music ahead of the lights, with performances from Laura Christopher, local artist Andy Grimwood, and the doorstop princesses singing hits from Frozen. 
As the clock ticked away ahead of the switch on, the Worcester Male Voice Choir sang a host of festive songs for the crowds in Cathedral Square. The event went ahead despite the freezing conditions and strong winds from Storm Arwen, which already caused the same event in Malvern to be cancelled. To switch the lights on, Mayor of Worcester Stephen Hodgson was joined on stage by the cast of this season's pantomime at the Swan Theatre, Beauty and the Beast, as well as guest of honour, Oscar Saxelby Lee. You may remember Oscar's story made the headlines around the world after thousands of people from Worcester helped raise the money to fund a life-saving medical procedure in Singapore. The pair were joined by Father Christmas, who kept an eye on the proceedings. A Worcester City Council spokesman said, Thanks to everyone who came out to celebrate the Worcester Christmas Light Switch-On event this evening. Oscar did a fine job of turning them on, even though he was a little nervous at first, doing it in front of a massive crowd. The Christmas light switch-on was hosted by Youthcom Radio and the City Council. Looking ahead to this week, the Victorian Christmas Fair kicks off on Thursday. That's today. Yes, that's right. It'll be going on over the weekend, I believe. So, teamwork is the key, according to this story. A new head teacher has praised staff and the local community following his nomination for a Worcestershire Education Award. Lee Card was only made head teacher at Oldbury Park Primary since the start of this academic year, but has turned the school around already, according to the parent who nominated him for the awards, which are being run by the Worcester News in conjunction with the University of Worcester. Mr Card said he could not have done it without the help of his staff. He said, It has been a fantastic first term for the school. There's a feeling of positivity, of purpose and a real energy to the school. It is a genuine privilege to come and work with the Albury community each day. The nomination is both humbling and surprising, but anybody that works in schools know that the power is in the full team, and by that I mean everybody. He continued, We all pull together here at Albury, and I cannot express strongly enough what a dedicated and hard-working team we have here at the school. I believe every school should sit at the heart of its community, a place where people feel welcomed, safe and invited to be part of the conversations of our world here. Since joining the school in September 2020, having previously worked at the city's Cherry Orchard Primary School, Mr Card has experienced one of the most difficult periods for the educational sector. He said all those working in schools have had to be responsive and flexible in these past two years in order to try and ensure that each and every pupil still gets access to an excellent curriculum and social opportunities to thrive, he said. To make a nomination for the awards, just visit our website and click on the awards tab. tab. The deadline for entries is Friday, December the 17th, and the winners will be announced at a virtual ceremony in February. Good luck to Mr Card. Mm. £98,000 from Clothes Bank. Generous people have donated their unwanted clothes to recycling banks, raising almost £98,000 to support firefighters. Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service has collected over 482 tonnes of unwanted clothing in its firefighters' charity recycling banks. This impressive result, donated by the public, is the quantity and value of clothing collected by the service over the past 10 years and available for resale, reuse and recycling. This achievement has been flagged up in the Firefighters 
charity's latest clothes recycling performance report, which has announced that nearly £5 million of unwanted clothing has been donated to fire stations across the UK in the 10 years up to March 2021. Group Commander Martin Lown, HWFRS's firefighters charity lead, said, This is a really great result and I'd like to thank the Herefordshire and Worcestershire communities for your support to this highly worthwhile scheme. By making the effort to bring items to our recycling banks instead of simply throwing them away, you're directly contributing to communities in the developing world as well as supporting our firefighters should they need the charity's help after their many years of service to our two counties. Anyone who would like to donate unwanted items can find out what we can and can't take and where our recycling banks are at firefighterscharity.org.uk forward slash get involved forward slash recycle your clothing. So why not clear out your cupboards and help people in need and the firefighters charity? Clothing, shoes, handbags and textiles donated as part of the Firefighters Charities Recycling Scheme are collected by the Firefighters Charities Recycling Partners, enabling wearable clothing to be reused and usually finding its way to underdeveloped countries to the benefit of their communities. Meanwhile, any unwearable textiles are recycled into a range of items such as industrial wipers, car upholstery, as well as being reused in the production of scores of other items. The income generated for the firefighters charity from textile recycling helps fund the charity's physical, psychological and welfare support for firefighters across the UK who turn to the charity for help after their many years of dedicated support to the public whenever called on. The next story is entitled Bottles Scheme to Help Stay Hydrated. The radiotherapy team at the Worcestershire Oncology Centre have worked with Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Charity to fund reusable, biodegradable water bottles for patients undergoing pelvic radiotherapy treatment that follow a drinking protocol for that treatment. The bottles were introduced to help support patients in drinking the correct amount of fluid for their treatment and to drastically reduce the use of single-use plastic in the oncology department. Therapy radiographer Richard Cormie said, We're delighted to be able to introduce the reusable bottles for our patients thanks to the support of our friends at the Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Charity. Good hydration during cancer treatment is encouraged as it can help with treatment fatigue and can assist with flushing toxins from the body. We hope that individual patient water bottles will encourage good hydration and assist patients with their bladder filling requirements during radiotherapy planning and treatment. With climate change posing a major threat to the health of patients, staff and communities, the team further hope that providing the bottles will reduce the department's environmental impact and minimise the amount of single-use plastic ending up in the bin and thus landfill. Worcester oncology patient Richard Stark said, The reusable water bottles are a wonderful idea. Patients know exactly how much water they're drinking due to the graduated scale on the bottle. They also dramatically reduce the quality of single-use plastic cups. Altogether, a win-win situation. Patients given a bottle have the option to make a charitable donation of £2 to Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Charity, which will go towards buying more bottles for patients undergoing the treatment. 
Sophie Burt, head of fundraising and community development for Worcestershire Charity, said, We're delighted that we're able to support such a fantastic scheme, which not only focuses on putting patients first, but also focuses on how we can make a positive contribution to protect our planet. If you'd like to make a contribution to the charity to fund water bottles, you can donate by texting BOTTLE, that's all capital letters, to 70085 to donate £2. Texts cost £2 plus one standard rate message. An antiques business is offering a substantial reward for information leading to the recovery of a £9,500 life-size bronze lion stolen from its courtyards. Aslan has been guarding Holloway's Garden Antiques Courtyards in Suckley for the past five years. Overnight on Thursday, a gang broke into the family business and lifted the 300kg life-size bronze sculpture over a five-foot spiked metal fence before escaping across the fields. It is thought it would have taken at least six people to lift the hefty cat, which measures 2.3 metres long and 1.2 metres high and weighs as much as a pony. Bought from a private house sale in Leicestershire, Aslan has one paw half-raised and dates back to the mid-20th century. Since 2016... The £9,500 bronze has cut a striking figure in Holloway's courtyards and was much loved by staff and customers alike. Now, Edward Holloway, who's run furniture and antiques business Holloway's with his wife Diana for the past 30 years, is offering £1,000 for information leading to the distinctive lion's recovery. We're incredibly upset that Holloway's has been targeted and that Aslan has been taken, said Edward. We've always struggled to move him around our premises and we're absolutely astonished they managed to lift him over the fence. Thursday night was cold, dark and wet, and both Aslan and the ground would have been slippy. It would have taken six, maybe more, people to lift him and it's highly likely they had a four-by-four to get back out across the fields without getting stuck. Someone must have seen something. Someone must know something. Edward fears the much-loved bronze was either stolen to order or may already have been sent to be melted down for a fraction of its value. We're offering £1,000 for information which leads to Aslan's recovery, Edward added. Please do get in touch with the police on the numbers below. Rural crime is escalating and the perpetrators need to be caught. The NFU Rural Crime Report 2021 shows theft in the countryside cost the UK an estimated £43.3 million last year. The insurer blames skilled and highly organised criminals for the continuing plague on farms and other rural businesses. A West Mercia police spokesman said, Anyone with any information or who may have seen the statue for sale is asked to visit www westmercia.police.uk slash tua slash tell dash us dash about slash quoting reference 300 of 29 November. Right, well when we were 
Reading the headline stories, there was one about no tree due to vandals, and Phil said then, keep your ears peeled, and here's the follow-up story, which is published Thursday, December the 2nd, today, as I read. A Christmas tree is on its way. That is the promise that has been made after a traditional tree was replaced with a new star feature. Worcester City Council has U-turned on the decision not to install a decorated Christmas tree on a St John's roundabout. The giant festive decoration between New Road and Tybridge Street had become an annual city tradition, but the tree was scrapped this year after becoming a relentless target for vandals. Instead, a new star feature was installed and an existing small tree on the bullring traffic was decorated with lights. However, after this paper reported on the decision, leader of the authority, Mark Bayliss, said he'd stepped in to make sure a tree was in place. Worcester City Council has confirmed a Christmas tree will be there on Friday, December the 10th. At the latest full meeting of the council held at the Guildhall on Tuesday, November the 30th, Councillor Udall tabled the question... Is the leader of the council aware of the disappointment felt in St John's about the poor quality of Christmas decorations this year, especially the lack of the Christmas tree? Can the leader explain the reasons for the lack of Christmas spirit? And if he can, even at this late stage, improve the situation? Councillor Mark Bayliss replied, The Christmas decorations in St John's needs a fillip, and I'd already seen that before this question came in, and I'd instructed officers to look again. It certainly is a tradition to have that tree there and I've asked officers to look and find us a tree that we can put there and I'm looking forward to it happening. We've had a series of problems, trees pulled down and lights being strangled, dangled across the road, so it isn't without its challenges, but good news for both the people of St John's and Bedwardine, a tree is on its way. A Worcester City Council spokesman added, Worcester City Council is set to bring even more festive joy with the installation of an additional decorated Christmas tree. Good, that's a happy ending to that story, so far anyway. Uh, it's Storm Arwen again, I'm afraid. Cathedral reopens after storm damage. Visitors have been allowed to return to Worcester Cathedral following a weekend of disruption and damage caused by Storm Arwen. The doors reopened at 10 o'clock on Monday with visiting and services restricted to the nave and the cloister and the shop and cafe open as usual. During the storm on Friday evening, part of a pinnacle from the side of the tower fell through the roof of the North Choir aisle. The cathedral staff and professional advisers worked hard and fast to assess the damage and ensure the safety of those visiting the building. The Dean of Worcester, the very Reverend Peter Atkinson, said... A team of experts is on site conducting investigations and making the affected area of roof, water and weatherproof. The nave and cloister are unaffected and open and safe for services and visiting. The roof's ribbed vault appears to have buckled under the impact but has not given way. This is a tribute to those unnamed masons who built the east end of the cathedral in the 13th century. The damage, though serious, is confined to the aisle. The hole in the roof now has a temporary covering. A programme of repair is being planned and a rope access team have today been assessing the tower. There's a picture of these guys looking fairly precarious on ropes climbing the exterior of the cathedral. Our plans for Christmas are at present able to go ahead, working around the new situation we find ourselves in. We don't really know how long the programme of repair will take, nor how much it will cost, and it is the knock-on effect that we can't account for. 
We've already lost income over the weekend and are sadly unable to release additional tickets for our popular Christmas Carol and Crib service as we had planned to this week as a result of losing capacity in the North Transept. This is a terrible thing to have happened, particularly in the run-up to Christmas. Whilst repairs take place, we will be operating under temporary measures designed to maximise our use of the building, but it will take time for us to be back to normal once again. We're grateful to still have the use of the nave and cloister, and so looking forward to welcoming the community to come together and celebrate Christmas with us here at the Cathedral. Good, so I think that uh, concert I advertised will go ahead. All being well. Great Western Railway is set to give rail users an early Christmas present with extra trains for Worcester, Malvern and Pershore. The rail operation announced the additional trains when it revealed its new timetable set to start this month. From Sunday, December the 12th, there will be additional Sunday services between Malvern and Worcester, travelling further afield to London. Earlier, later and additional Sunday trains between Worcester and Bristol feature in the new timetable too. There will be a new service from Worcester Shrub Hill at 09.57am and a two-hour early service in both directions throughout the day, with most trains operating to and from Fourgate Street. The Sunday morning services on the North Cotswold line sees the introduction of a new 9am Oxford to Worcester and Great Malvern service, with an additional through service from Great Malvern to London Paddington at 10.50am. This will plug an existing two-hour gap in the timetable, further upgrading services to and from Worcester to hourly throughout the day. And the last train will leave from Worcester at 21.57pm, an hour later than the current last service. Meanwhile, extra weekday trains for Pershore and Honeybourne stations also feature. The existing 13.18pm Worcester Shrub Hill to London Paddington and the 11.50am London Paddington to Hereford trains will now stop at Pershaw. This will plug a previous two-hour lunchtime gap, giving rail users an hourly service in both directions virtually throughout the day. This is on top of the existing additional peak afternoon services. The improvements follow campaigning by the Cotswold Line Promotion Group. The group has also been working with train operators, Great Western Railway and West Midland Trains, to improve early morning connections at Worcester's Shrub Hill Station for services between the Cotswolds, Hereford and Birmingham routes. The announcement also follows additional services that were added by another operator earlier this year. In March, West Midlands Railway added six extra trains on the Birmingham Snow Hill lines, which include Worcester. Urgent work to protect a Worcester building in danger of collapse started last weekend. The Poundland site in Broad Street was cordoned off late on November the 26th due to fears over the building's structural integrity. As a result, a large section of the street outside the terrace has been closed off. Shoppers can still get down Broad Street despite the blockage with a small section of pavement left open to allow access to the lower portion. However, access to Crown Gate via that part of Broad Street is no longer possible. Shops in the street are remaining open, with Toys and Games of Worcester thanking shoppers for continuing to come in. A post on the shop's Facebook page said, A massive thanks to everyone who braved the weather and disruption on Broad Street today. We remain open every day and will do our best. 
The shop had earlier pleaded for customers to not forget them, with an earlier post saying, We're going to need your help this weekend, guys. With restricted access on Broad Street, please make the effort to come and see us. Workers asked for an emergency closure Friday night after discovering the Poundland building on Broad Street could be at risk of partially collapsing. John Fraser, head of Worcestershire Highways, said on Friday that it is a developing situation and there is no word yet on when it will be back open. We had a call from the building inspector to say they'd uncovered dangers within the structure. There's a potential for some kind of collapse and they've asked us to close the road. As they were working on the rooftop to get it fixed, they came across some more problems. It's a concerning situation. It's not yet known why the building is in danger of collapse, with teams from the council investigating possible reasons for the building's condition. At the beginning of October, Poundland apologised to customers for its continued closure as work was undertaken on the building. In May, the nearby Crowngate shopping centre entrance was shut off over safety concerns about falling debris from the roof, with the barrier stretching across that entrance and in front of Poundland. But although the entrance to the shopping centre has since reopened, the bargain store has remained closed, with the shop front blocked off and the barrier still in place. At the time, a Poundland spokesman said the landlord was carrying out essential work. We know this is disappointing for our customers, but as soon as we have a date for reopening, we'll let you know, they said. Right. This article is headed Reclaiming the Night, and it's from Saturday's newspaper. Hundreds of people took to the streets of Worcester to challenge violence against women and girls. An estimated 400 women, men and non-binary allies joined forces at Boston Tea Party at 7.30 on Thursday before making their way through Worcester city centre. Marchers were encouraged to make as much noise as possible when they passed pubs and venues where women had experienced violence and sexual assault. Powerful banners were also on display conveying messages such as My Body, My Property, Your Respect. Organisations including Worcestershire's Women's Equality Party, West Mercia Rape and Sexual Abuse Support Centre, West Mercia Women's Aid, Joy Project, Out Together, University of Worcester and Worcester Community Trust all took part. Serena Longworth-Cook, co-founder of Out Together, an LGBTQ plus group for Worcestershire, said we're here tonight because we have a lot of women members and that includes a diversity of women. So we have lesbians, bisexual women, trans women and non-binary persons. But we also find anyone who's visibly LGBTQ plus on the streets experiences the same violence, whether that's verbal abuse, physical violence or the threat of violence from straight men as the rest of the women who are here. So we really want to add our voice to the women's voice and say this is just not good enough. We all have a part to play in this. The statistics for male violence are so high. It means it might not be all men, but it's probably men we work with and live alongside. They're in our lives, whether we know it or not. After making their way through the city centre, the march came full circle to Boston Tea Party, where walkers warmed up with teas and coffees and further talks were held. One woman who wished not to be named said, It's amazing to see so many people out here for the march. There are so many more than I was expecting. At the same time, though, I think it shows the sheer amount of women who have been affected by male violence and there will be countless others at home who couldn't make it here tonight too. It has to stop. 
Edward John McCrory Maine was one of the men who was supporting from the back of the demonstration. He said, two out of three women are sexually harassed or assaulted on the street. That just isn't acceptable. As a guy, I feel like we need to stand behind the women and say this is not OK. We need to make the streets safe again. It's all good women coming forward and speaking out, but this actually needs to be backed by us as well. And it starts by us showing our support. That's why I came out. I think some men can feel offended when they're asked to come and support women because they think, I'd never do anything like that, so why should I support it? Well, we need to stand behind women and show we're with them. And this is an up-to-date uh, analysis of Worcester's COVID hotspots. It was in Thursday, December the 2nd's paper. Four areas have moved into the highest COVID hotspot category after a rise in cases across Worcester. But Public Health England's PHE coronavirus map shows other areas have seen a fall in coronavirus cases in the latest week of data up to November the 25th. Areas with infection rates above 800 cases per 100,000 people are placed in the highest black hotspot category on the coronavirus map. Places in the category include Warnden East, that has an infection rate of 906.5 per 100,000, which equates to 57 cases recorded that week. Northwick, that has an infection rate of 985.4 per 100,000, with 79 cases. Barbourne and Rainbow Hill has an infection rate of 834.3 per 100,000, with 67 cases. King George's Field... King George's Field has an infection rate of 829.8 per 100,000 with 74 cases. Those four areas join Warnden West that was already in the category and which has the highest rate in the city, 996.5 cases per 100,000 with 54 cases recorded that week. Don't think that actually stands. No, I think they've got their sums wrong there. Anyway, areas with infection rates between 4799 cases per 100,000 people are placed in the second highest purple hotspot. And actually, this is relevant because the um, visual that goes with the article has the map of Worcester City coloured in all the appropriate colours. Sorry that I can't share that with you. Lippard Grange has an infection rate of 707.2 per 100,000 with 42 cases recorded that week. And I'm now going to just read the number of cases because I think that's easier. Lower Wick and Bromwich Road had 48 cases recorded. Worcester Town North, 35 cases. Worcester Town South, 36 cases. Batten Hall and Diglis, 48 cases. Dines Green and St John's, 41 cases. Infection rates of between 200 and 399 cases per 100,000 are placed in the third highest blue hotspot category on the coronavirus map. Moving into this category is Ronxwood and Nunnery Wood with 14 cases recorded. Meanwhile, Henwick dropped into the fourth highest light blue category with an infection rate of 162.5 per 100,000, which equates to nine cases recorded, the lowest rate in the city. So, well done, Henwick. I think they need to do their maths a bit better, don't you? Sounds like it. Ever wondered what a battered Mars bar tastes like? Well, how about a battered mince pie instead? An inventive chippy 
has brought back the deep-fried treat after it proved hugely popular over previous festive seasons. Riverside Fish Bar in Bridge Street, Starport on Severn, has also reintroduced battered pigs in blankets, offering a savoury option for adventurous customers. Both were put back on the menu last Friday, November the 26th, after a year's seasonal hiatus. Hungry customers also have the option of custard and a warm drink with their battered mince pie, making it a proper winter warmer. I must admit I have wondered what a, a, battered, a battered Mars bar tastes like, but never a mince pie. And I can wait, I think. Here's a nice story. Food bank boosted by Harvest Festival gifts. A Worcester primary school has collected hundreds of bags of food at its annual Harvest Festival. Oasis Academy Warnden collected donations in aid of Oasis Warnden Community Hub and its food pantry, which provides food to those in need in the Warnden Parish and beyond. Volunteers at the Hub will also make up special Christmas food hampers for local families who may need a helping hand. There were so many donations received as part of the Harvest Festival that once the pantry shelves were fully stocked, there was enough left over to help Worcester Food Bank replenish its stocks. Academy Principal Suzanne Owen said, We're so proud of the amount of food our families have donated this year for the Harvest Festival. The food donated will really support those in need, and it shows what a generous community we have here at Warnden. Hub leader Faye Osborne said, The Academy has outdone themselves this year with their donations of tinned produce, long-life items and toiletries to help stock the shelves here at the Community Food Pantry. The huge amount of food collected means we were able to share some with the Worcester Food Bank. It's a privilege to be able to serve the community here and we know what a difference these food items will make to the families that receive them. Thank you so much to all the parents and students that donated an item, no matter how small, as every little bit helps. People living with dementia and their carers now have access to a countrywide, no, countywide network of meeting centres offering physical, social and emotional support. Thanks to a joint initiative between Worcestershire County Council and the University of Worcester, there are now four meeting centres open in the county, with another two set to open in the new year. Meeting centres offer ongoing, friendly support enabling people to meet others in a similar situation, have fun and get help that focuses on what they may need. They were introduced into the UK following a research project by the University of Worcester's Association for Dementia Studies, which looked at the successful programme run in the Netherlands. There are now over 30 meeting centres across the UK, with Droitwich Spa Meeting Centre being the first to open in Worcestershire in 2015. Now, helped by funding from the County Council, there are also meeting centres available in Evesham, Malvern Link, Witchenford and Worcester, with two more to follow in Kidderminster and Starport in the new year. If you've been affected by dementia or know someone who is and would like more information about the meeting centres, please contact your local meeting centre. People living with dementia and their family carers can also be referred to meeting centres by professionals working in health care and health and social care. And the centres, oh, this is going to take a little bit to do, Droitwich Spa, the telephone number is 740950. Evesham is 01386 429454. Malvern Link, Witchenford and Worcester, is, the telephone number is 01905 724 
294 or 01684 560666 and Kidderminster and Starport 0800 008077. Right, this is about the Worcestershire Education Awards 2022. A university lecturer from Worcester has been nominated in our Education Awards. Dr Barbara Mitra, Senior Lecturer in Media and Culture at the University of Worcester, was nominated for Teacher of the Year in the Worcestershire Education Awards. In the nomination, Dr Mitra is described as dedicated and passionate about helping her students achieve their best results. The nomination said, Dr Mitra is an exceptional lecturer who's consistently gone above and beyond for students in the years that I have known her. She regularly receives great feedback from students saying how much they enjoy her lessons and find her to be a huge support. Over the lockdown period, she adapted brilliantly to online learning and kept students engaged with a variety of learning methods and materials. It continued, Dr Mitra is a positive and uplifting tutor who never seems to have a bad day. She's always working hard to improve the student experience and regularly asks for feedback and suggestions. Dr Mitra has personally inspired me to change my career direction towards being a university lecturer. She's also a positive role model for many other students. Staff also speak very highly of her. She keeps regular contact with all her students via email. She also posts regularly to the course Facebook page to ensure all students are reached. She makes students feel heard and cared about. During her academic career, Dr Mitra has focused on specialist modules on gender and commercial issues of social media. She's also interested in the use of technology in relation to learning and teaching. She's spoken on local radio and in schools on issues related to gender and body image, Facebook and television advertising and children. Speaking after being nominated, Dr Mitra said, I'm delighted to be nominated for this reward. It really is very humbling to know that we make such a difference to students and and colleagues at the university, and it is a privilege and an honour to have been nominated. Mm. Fair puts safety first. Organisers of Worcester's Victorian Christmas Fair have offered reassurances the event will go ahead this week after COVID concerns were raised. The fair, which normally attracts an estimated 150,000 visitors to the city over the four days and contributes an additional £7.3 million to the Worcester economy, is taking place between Thursday and Sunday, December the 2nd to the 5th. Attractions running throughout the fair include street entertainers, carol singers, buskers and the carousel in the corn market. 200 market stalls were present at the 2019 fair, attracting 185 coachloads of people to Worcester. But some readers questioned if it should be going ahead, especially given the fears over the new Omicron variant of COVID. Reader Charles Smith said, Are the council going to take full responsibility for all persons who contract COVID during this event? It is, of course, the council's duty to protect the taxpayers who pay their wages, not to try and make money. Another added, wonder if Worcester Christmas Victorian Fair will be cancelled. All those coaches travelling from all over the country. So we asked Worcester City Council if there had been talks on whether it should be cancelled. In a statement, the organisers said, This year's Victorian Fair has been organised with the public safety as the number one priority and we will accommodate any changes to the Covid rules. 
We're looking forward to welcoming thousands of residents and visitors to Worcester's biggest festive event. Last year, organisers took the decision to cancel the event in September prior to the country going into a second lockdown that November. At the time, the organisers said the decision to cancel this popular event has not been taken lightly. With the COVID-19 pandemic still at large, the risks incurred in allowing this winter event to go ahead were simply too high. The Victorian Fair began back in 1992 by traders from picturesque New Street and Friar Street. Now in its 28th year, the fair may have grown a lot, but it has stayed true to its traditional roots with plenty of Victorian-themed characters, festive treats and a wonderful atmosphere. Councillors voted unanimously to block a gross overdevelopment at a residential property in Worcester. Members of the committee described the plans for a ground and first floor wraparound extension at a property in Georgina Avenue as a monstrosity. Councillor Alan Amos said, I've been on this planning committee for a long time and let me tell you, this is the first time I've heard of a wraparound. Wrap something around me and I'll become even fatter, which is exactly what will happen to this property. I don't see how anyone could be expected to pass this at all. It is an ugly monstrosity and a gross overdevelopment. Local opposition from nearby residents cited a number of concerns about the plans. Complaints included the visual impact on the street, the disruption generated during building work and a loss of privacy to a neighbouring property. They also felt the extension was an overdevelopment of the site. Councillor Bill Amos said, this isn't an extension, it's a complete rebuild. If we allow this, it would set a dangerous precedent for the area. It completely changes the character of the whole street. If this was applied to every house in the street, it would become one of the most oppressive to live in, in Worcester. Councillor Joe Hodges said, if you want a property of this size, I don't understand why you would go for an extension. Why not just move to a house where the land could facilitate a house of this size? A man was rescued from the waters of the River Severn by firefighters on Tuesday night. The man ended up in the river's waters after police were called to a concern for safety near Quarry Street at 10.15pm. Firefighters managed to get him safely back out of the water and to an awaiting ambulance as temperatures dropped overnight. He was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for further treatment. Fire crews from Worcester, Evesham and Persia were sent to the riverbanks. A fire service spokesman said a man was rescued from the River Severn by fire service personnel and handed over to the police who were in attendance along with the ambulance service. The incident was marked as pending closure at 11.29pm. An eyewitness said police were diverting people away from the riverside while they dealt with the incident. A West Mercia police spokeswoman said police were called to Key Street in Worcester at shortly after 1015 p.m. last night, the 30th of November, following a report of a concern for safety. Well, thank you, Catherine. I think that pretty much wraps up the general news stories. There wasn't a great deal, was there, to choose from. Uh, So we'll move on to a little bit of sport. And, Phil, I think you've got a couple of good stories if you'd like to kick us off. I have, Pips, indeed, yes. We'll start with some cricket um, and the appointment of Brett Oliveira to be captain of Worcestershire. My boyhood dream, Worcester-born Brett takes over from Leach as new club captain. A lovely photograph of him on the back page. Brett Oliveira has realised his boyhood dream after becoming the first member of his distinguished cricketing family to be officially appointed Worcestershire County Cricket Club club captain. 
He's also the first club captain to be born in the city of Worcester. And the head coach, Alex Gidman, described Oliveira as an inspirational captain that any player would want to play for after confirming the appointment. He said, Brett possesses a lot of great leadership qualities. First and foremost, he is an excellent tactician. Watching him captain a few years ago, it was a pleasure to watch him lead the team tactically. He speaks very clearly to the group, communicates very well, and alongside that, he's an inspirational man, the sort of captain any player would want to play for. I'm sure he will get the best out of the individuals and the team. Really looking forward to it. Dolivere's grandfather, Basil, and late father, Damien, represented Worcestershire between them for more than 30 years before becoming first team coach and academy director, respectively. Dolivero will become club captain after Joe Leach stood down from the role in September after five seasons in charge. Dolivero said, It's been an emotional couple of days. The opportunity came up and I was fortunate to get the call from Alex Gidman and then Paul Pridgen. I just grabbed it with both hands. You do things in life and you have opportunities like this and you hope those who are no longer here, that's his family, will be proud and I know I will make my family proud. Looking back to those days when, as a youngster, I used to run around the outfield seems surreal. But it's been a boyhood dream, if I'm honest, spending all my lifetime at Worcestershire and now being given the opportunity to captain. Dolivera replaced the injured Leach as captain during the second half of the 2018 season and was also in charge of the T20 side in Moeen Alley's absence during the 2018 and 19 campaigns when the Rapids won the Vitality Blast and finished runners-up the following year. And a story about netball. A University of Worcester student has been selected as an umpire for an international netball tournament in Dubai. Evie Stewart-Davis is one of 10 10 umpires from the UK selected to oversee the Emirates Dubai Sevens tournament next month. I'm so excited I was over the moon, said the 20-year-old of Cheltenham, who's in the second year of her PE and sports coaching science degree. Obviously, it's an amazing experience to be able to umpire at that level. Umpiring internationally, there's different styles of playing the game, which is good experience and will hopefully improve my performance. The event, running from December the 2nd to the 4th, attracts teams from the UK, Australia, South Africa and across the Gulf. Evie will join umpires selected from around the world, including the umpire that officiated the last Netball World Cup final. Evie, who umpires and coaches juniors at the Gloucester-based Challengers Netball Club, gained her regional-level qualifications at just 16 and is now working towards her A award, which will allow her to umpire at national level. She is honing her skills with the university's co-owned Super League netball franchise, Seven Stars, umpiring their training games and pre-season matches. This will be the former Tewkesbury School and Hartbury College pupils' second time at the Dubai Sevens, which she umpired at in 2019. The tournament was cancelled last year, owing to COVID-19. Evie's interest in umpiring was first sparked at school in Year 8. Already a keen netball player, a teacher asked her to fill in umpiring a Year 7s game. Evie typically umpires five games a week, alongside six hours of training, including strength and conditioning. Her ambition is to be an umpire on the international stage, alongside becoming a secondary school PE teacher. Best of luck to her. Worcester Warriors have strengthened the depth of their front row options with the signing of Scotland international tight head prop Murray McCallum from Glasgow Warriors. 
McCallum will arrive at Six Ways on January the 1st on a contract to the end of the 2022-23 season, having joined Glasgow from Edinburgh on a short-term contract in July. McCallum, who's 25, is well known to Warriors Director of Rugby Alan Solomons, who worked with him during his time in charge of Edinburgh. I know Muzzer well, having coached him at Edinburgh when he was a young, promising player just starting to come through, Solomon said. He's since gone on to play for Scotland and established himself as a top-class prop. With only three senior tightheads in our squad, the recent long-term injury to Jack Owlett highlighted the need to bring someone in, said Warriors head coach Jonathan Thomas. And Murray is a player of real quality and international tighthead, is just 25 years old with his besties ahead of him and has an infectious personality which will add value to Warriors' family. McCallum began his rugby career with Dunfermline and was a member of the Scotland Under-20 squad at the 2016 Junior World Championship. He made his senior international debut as a replacement against Wales in Cardiff in the opening match of the 2018 Six Nations and won two more caps against Canada and the USA on the summer tour that year. McCallum is no stranger to Six Ways, having played for Glasgow in the Clash in September. I'm delighted to sign for Worcester Warriors. The Premiership is the ultimate test for a prop and a league I have always wanted to challenge myself in, McCallum said. Knowing Solly from my Edinburgh days and then meeting JT, I'm really sold on the club's vision and I'm excited to be part of their journey. You can see the club's ambitions with the appointment of Steve Diamond, who's someone I look forward to working with. I can't wait to get started. Okay. Uh, and some more cricket for you here, this time with an international flavour. Worcestershire Rapids teen spinner among wickets on international debut in Colombo. Worcestershire cricket was represented at international level this week with a young Rapids star making his mark. Worcestershire spinner Josh Baker was amongst the wickets on his England under-19 debut and finished on the winning side in Tuesday's ODI, that's One Day International, with Sri Lanka in Colombo. It was a proud day for Josh and the 18-year-old received his England cap from hedge coach Richard Dawson before the opening game of the five-match series. He became the seventh member of the current Worcestershire squad to have been selected for the under-19s after Ed Barnard, Josh Tung, Josh Dell, Dylan Pennington, Adam Finch and Jack Haynes. The slow left-arm spinner then picked up two wickets in the space of three balls after England had set a 243 target. He came into the attack immediately after completing the initial 10-over power play with Sri Lanka at 47 for none. He bowled three tight overs for eight runs before breaking through the last ball of his fourth over when Siobhan Daniel attempted a big hit and was bowled. The second ball of his fifth over brought further success for the former Malvern College pupil as Pawan Patiraja went for a sweep and was also bowled. The opening spell for his the figures for his opening spell were seven overs, no maidens, two for 29. Baker finished with two for 46 from nine overs and a late order collapse saw Sri Lanka dismissed for 217 and England won by 25. When England batted, Baker scored eight and put on 31 valuable runs for the eighth wicket with James Sales. And on to golf. The three captains at the Vale Golf and Country Club have together raised an extraordinary amount of money for charity. Jill Millard, John James and Graham Whitehead pooled their resources to raise money for their two chosen charities, Prostate Cancer UK and Grace Kelly Childhood Cancer Trust. Over the last two years, money was raised in a variety of ways. 
But even in the various lockdowns, money was still coming in via football result predictions and various other forms. Plus, over £3,000 was raised by Tony Perriman in his Chipping Challenge, helping the grand total to reach £18,200. £2,000 was sent to both charities while the pandemic was at its worst to help them through an arduous time. The remaining amount of £7,100 each was was presented to Prostate Cancer Representative Dave Roberts and Grace Kelly Childhood Representative Michelle Nolan. They both thanked all the members of the club for the outstanding work in raising an amazing amount of money. Congratulations to all at the golf club for doing their bit for such worthy causes during what has been a difficult past two years. Despite the sub-zero temperatures across the country last weekend, Worcester Raiders shrugged off the cold weather to record another big win to take them top of the Hellenic League Division 1 table. Being at six ways certainly helps in these wintry conditions for the Raiders, and they were celebrating wildly at full time after an impressive 2-1 win over previous league leaders and title contenders Clanfield 85. Joe Billingham and Connor Deards scored in quick succession minutes before the break to see them hold a 2-0 lead. A late goal from George Seacole for Clanfield gave them hope and it was a nervy finish, but in the end Worcester held out to record their sixth win in a row in all competitions and their fifth straight league victory. We're obviously over the moon with that result, said manager Marco in BBC Hereford and Worcester after the game but I didn't think the performance was that great but second half other than the goal we controlled the game and overall really pleased once they scored it was back to the walls but we showed good character to cross the line we could have been a few more goals up early on and the game got ragged but the conditions were difficult with the wind levelling things a bit but like I say we've got another three points and we're now top of the table there's still a long way to go but we've gone from about 6th or 7th a few weeks ago to now being top. The lads have been brilliant. Elsewhere in the division, Pershore Town beat Malmesbury Victoria 3-0 to stay in the playoff hunt. Thank you. Well, that wraps up the sport for the week. And we've just got the thought for the week to go. Sunrise, sunset times and birthdays. Let's start with the thought for the week, which I think you've got there, Phil. Please. I do, yes. This is Luke chapter 1, verses 30 to 33. The angel said, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Thank you. Birthdays, right. We've got one birthday to celebrate next week, which is on Thursday, no, Wednesday, the 8th of December. Many happy returns of the day on that day to Sandra Wood. Hope you have a lovely day. Um, and anyone else who has a birthday and have, we haven't got a record of it, please do just send it in and we will add you to the file. Sunrise and sunset times. So today, that's the 2nd of December. The sun rose at 7.57am. It was dark, wasn't it? And it's set at 3.59pm. We're creeping closer to the longest day, I was going to say, but it's the shortest day. Yep. And then it's all downhill from there on in. 
Okay, that brings us to the end of this week's recording. I'd like to thank tonight's readers, Catherine and Phil and Alex, very much for sitting in and doing all the engineering for us and to Carol Hartle for her copying and whatever else she does. <laughs> I can't remember. Thank you, Carol. So bye-bye from Catherine, bye-bye. Phil bye. and Alex is waving from the other side of the glass and it's bye-bye from me, Pippa. Colin George Coombe passed away on November the 7th. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 8th of December at 10am. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, may be placed in the collection box available at the service or sent directly to St Richard's Hospice, Wildwood Drive, Worcester, WR5, 2QT. For all inquiries, please contact Co-op Funeral Care, telephone 01905 22137. Julie Grosvenor-Davies sadly passed away on Sunday, November the 14th. She will be sadly missed by all her family and friends. Funeral service to take place at St Martin's Church, London Road, on Friday, December the 3rd, at 12.45pm, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Please wear bright, casual clothes. Family flowers only. Donations to Samaritans may be left on the collection plate in church or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. John Mayo passed away on November the 12th. The funeral service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday, December the 8th at 1.45pm. Black dress optional. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for the Royal British Legion may be given at the service or sent to F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, Malvern, Worcestershire, WR141TL. Keith Bartlett passed away on November the 18th. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday, the 9th of December at 2.30. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for either St. Richard's Hospice or Help the Heroes, and they may be placed in the collection box available at the service. All inquiries to co-op funeral care, telephone 01905 Robin Francis Boyd died on November the 7th. The funeral service will be at the Vale Crematorium on Tuesday, December the 7th at 1pm. Family flowers only. Donations in memory of Robin are invited for the British Heart Foundation and these may be sent to E. Hill and Sons, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. Elizabeth Isabel Gwynne, née Baldwin, known as Betty, passed away on the 23rd of November. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 10th of December at 12.15pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be left at the service or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services 01905 748811. Pauline Gardner passed away on the 14th of November. The funeral service will be on Friday the 10th of December at Worcester Crematorium at 2.30pm. 
Family flowers only, please, with donations for St Richard's Hospice and the British Heart Foundation. Margaret May Moll, née Fulcher, died at home on the 12th of November. A funeral service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Monday 13th of December at 12.15pm. Family flowers only. Donations, if desired, for the Pulmonary Fibrosis Trust may be left in the donations box provided. All other inquiries sent to AV Band Funeral Directors, 41 St Nicholas Street, Worcester, WR11UW. Telephone 01905 887864. Marie Elizabeth Walsh passed away at Worcestershire Royal Hospital on Saturday the 30th of October. Funeral service will take place on Thursday the 9th of December at St Barnabas Church at 10.45am, followed by burial at Astwood Cemetery. Flowers welcome. Please send to AV Band Funeral Directors. Donations if desired to Cancer Research UK or RSPCA can be left in donation box provided or sent directly to the charity. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors, 41 St Nicholas Street, Worcester, WR1, 1UW, telephone 22892. Roy George Painting passed away on November 22nd. His funeral has already taken place. Edwina Hazel Tyler died 13th of November. Private cremation followed by Thanksgiving service at St Martin's Church, London Road, Worcester, 2.45pm on Wednesday 15th December. No flowers, please. Donations, if desired, to Age UK and Help Musicians. Inquiries to George Crump and Son, Funeral Directors, telephone Worcester 01905 77 